Hello and welcome to Unlevel with Adam. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? No one understands the words that are coming out of your mouth, Josh. Hello, okay, I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's the film podcast. We watch the movies, the whole series of them, Charles. We don't we don't watch one movie and then say, you know what? I'm too good for sequels. Hollywood doesn't have any original ideas anymore. A second rush hour? Why not write a whole new movie about uh, someone else? Like a farmer. Farmer kicking ass? A, it, Wait, he goes to woman. Hong Kong. Okay, she goes. Sorry, that was really sexist of me. Girls can farm. Girls can farm. What if, yeah, let's, hey, Hollywood, how about, oh, you're going to make another Spider-Man? How about you make a movie about a farmer who goes to Hong Kong? Farmer woman. Okay. She's a woman. She, can she goes st- to Hong Kong. She can still wear the same suit. Doesn't matter, but you just call her farmer woman. Yeah. Wait, so you're saying she's dressed like Spider-Man, but it's not like it's no one draws attention to it? Yeah, it's, the MC- it's still in the MCU too, but it's just farmer woman now. Well, I do believe in recycling, and, you know, I hate to play into any derogatory stereotypes of my ethnicity, but you want to save money where you can, and they've probably made a bunch of those spider suits at this point, so I hate to think that they just, like, you know, either warehouse or dispense with the spider suits. Let this Chinese woman who's a farmer wear the spider suit. Just sure. don't draw, don't make a thing out of it. I thought you were saying when you mentioned recycling and money, I thought you were saying they should return all the extra Spider-Man costumes for the five cent deposit. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, of course, most people don't know this. You can bring clothes to those uh, can and bottle machines just at your local price chopper. Just stick them in stuff there. Stuff them in there. If, it, if for some reason it doesn't work, call the manager, bring them over. They got the exp- doorbell at all of these. You just bring the doorbell, the manager comes out. And here's the thing with doorbells, and not just that. this doorbell. If you feel like that doorbell isn't doing anything, you should probably hit it a <laughs> few more times. Just lean on it. Just, just oh. really give it what for, you know? Yeah, you could bring tape. I usually bring a roll of tape, duct tape, and just tape it down. Just leave it going. Go shopping. Come back. You know what you can do with duct tape, too, if you're bored, is uh, uh, stage your own kidnapping. You can also put a bomb in your mouth and then tape the bomb mm. into your Hold mouth. Hold on. We, Hold wait, on. What? That's clear. That's clear. That looks like saran wrap. Yeah, it was It was definitely in Russia. But you could I don't do think tape. it's duct tape. I think tape would work. I think it would be even for someone as committed to sacrificing his body for the game as the, the great Jackie Chan. Um, I don't think he wants to rip duct tape off of his face. Yeah. And they, I mean, they were at it like probably a restaurant. And, you know, the, every restaurant has that industrial tube of saran wrap that you can use on your friends use on duck or your genitals you can package up your genitals and say hey check the fridge and then your friends hiding in there with their genitals all packaged up wait are they naked or just fully clothed no no just their... the genitals that's oh, why it's funny oh you've just removed your friend's genitals and put them in the fridge and wrapped those in uh huh saran wrap. that's funny so they're, they're fully clothed except for the genitals which are wrapped in saran wrap okay. i think that that's funnier i thought i i misunderstood i thought you'd cut them off no that's actually storing them so I've been what we watched. Macabre. Amy and I are halfway through season three of Hannibal. The we're gonna have to talk. This is the strangest network television I've ever seen, and I've seen Twin Peaks, which also that was that aired on networks, right? When it came out, it did. Well, let me just say, you know, when the fact, the mere fact that Hannibal, a network television show, came to your mind when we talked about severed genitals, sets it apart from the pack of almost every yeah. other. And it's not a television show. Most things do lead me to genitals, severed or otherwise. But 
this one actually makes sense. This one is not just like some strange maze that I've built in my head to like, oh, oh, polar seltzer penis. One of the best parts of this show is that I feel like I get to go into that brain maze of yours, you know? Yeah. Oh, you get get to go. I get to enter the brain maze and uh, get a real sense of what's cooking in that kind of kooky, kind of fucked up, twisted world inside that little head of yours. And it is a small head. It's a small head full of mazes. Yeah. Um, speaking of Hannibal, you, you realize, of course, that uh, Brett Ratner, American sex criminal, uh, would go on to direct Red Dragon a year after this movie, right. making all of the Red Dragon stuff uh, weirdly prophetic and kind of fun. I like that he had the – I mean, clearly this is a man who uh, has no shame. He clearly experiences no moral uh, conscious or, or you know, no, no compunction to – not be a horrible asshole, but I, I I will say it's funny that he does a weird metatextual reference to his next movie in this movie. It is very strange. I don't even know. I honestly don't really know what it means. Like the name of the book is Red Dragon, correct? I believe so. Yes. So that he just took. So maybe, I mean, the amount of just outright racism that exists in Rush Hour Two would just lead me to believe that. This is the best that Brett's got. Well, let's let's get into it. We, of course, are discussing the wonderful Rush Hour film starring the inimitable Jackie Chan and one Chris Tucker. And I want to approach this movie, Charles, if you will, from one of the narrative vantage points that we occasionally turn to in this series, which is how critics or how the perception in popular dialogue of sequels has evolved over the course of the last X number of years. This, of course, is part of the great final hurrah movies. We experienced this with uh, uh, which I think the second American Pie movie. This is an August 20, uh, 2001 mm, film. We were like weeks away saying. from yeah. 9-11. So we're, the party is still going. America <laughs> is still having a ball. And uh, this is really, again, we're, we're like a, you know five weeks away from uh entering the real modern era basically yeah and this so, is this is summer too you know so there's already that heightened sense of oh i don't know playfulness lust greed fun just like this is the like to imagine going from august 2021 sorry 2021 oh my god did i just predict another 911 i i i hope not the first one wasn't great <laughs> uh i mean they did they did it it was it went well it went well, the planning and right, execution. That's, no, objectively, no, that's right. That's not a – He just to clarify to the listener, Charles is not praising 9-11, but objectively, they set out to do something and they did it. So from that vantage yeah. point, it literally, uh, you know. But I'm just like, so uh, August 2001, the fucking dog days of a just like – cocks and pussies just dripping with sweat and fluid like what does what is what is with you today with me today you're wearing a a bright pink tank top you're you're really leaning into a grotesque description of genitals repeatedly Josh, we just came them. out of a movie fluids where emitting from them we just watched a movie where chris tucker's only lines of dialogue are how he wants pussy but okay i don't think this is out but of hold place. on what how does he say he wants it while they're in Hong Kong. Well, he says he would like some mooshu. And then to which Jackie Chan says, are you hungry? And he's like, no, Lee, mooshu, women. Gushy pussy, okay? What? You are full of beans today. You are just, a, a, you are a, 
a shocking disc jockey. Chris Tucker does his snap dance and says, gushy, pushy, mooshu, please. Okay? That's all Chris wants. Every scene, there's a lady in it. I don't think that it. happens in this movie. He says, I want that pussy. I don't think he says that. Are you sure? Go to the IMDb uh, quote This is page. a PG-13 movie. There's no way he said pussy. Yeah, I would have remembered that. The last movie was PG-13, and Jackie Chan says the N-word, so we can't... And hold on. Turn. To his credit... He doesn't say the N-word in this movie. That's correct. So just like that one idiot said, the, the world is always getting better, okay? The, it's never. It's always this linear improvement. Everything's always good, okay? No N-word in the second rush hour. Um, there is, uh, even for Chris Tucker, an immense amount of uh, anti-Asian racism in this. But, it's you know, every gamut. Here's the thing. <laughs> you have literally, you all look the same. That's a line in this movie. You well, he also him. screams that line. <laughs> he screams it. Yeah, and then you have uh, <laughs> you know, him wanting to get conf- just conflating sushi with like just mixing all Asian uh, cultures together. Yes, and as 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 the trivia told me, uh, when he says Chinese people panic, he then says the Japanese word for faster, faster, which he drew from Godzilla. So yes, he yes, is. There's a conversation of a- sushi. Yeah. Conversation of Godzilla. There's a. Uh, who knows? I, I lost count. It was so. It's like it's. I, this is one of those movies that I wish I'd been with you for sure. Because sitting at home by myself watching Rush Hour Two in the basement, uh, I think I laughed a few times, and we'll get to that near the end as we do talk about my MVP and stuff. Because there are some highlights in this film, but otherwise it is a especially that first fucking half hour, man. Holy shit! Holy shit, there's about a thousand jokes. They're all at the expense of Jackie Chan, and they all suck. None of them landed for me. What? Oh, I was cackling the whole time. I love this movie. I had yeah, a blast. I know. That's I why I that, wanted like, to watch it with you. I right. Like that. The, the, the thing about Rush Hour 2 broadly is that if you liked Rush Hour, they very wisely, and again, in this series, and you know, forgive us for polishing off this old axe, but the second movie frequently is the nadir of a series because especially after a culture-shifting foundational success, people want to, you know, really go out to lunch on it and do something indulgent or uh, they cheapen it or they lean into the worst aspects of it. I would argue Rush Hour 2 avoids all of that. And, and nothing about this movie, you know, does it develop Rush Hour? Not really. But is it basically another delicious serving of uh, of uh, perhaps the sort of cultural je ne sais quoi one would get at the at the Chinese soul food place? Where Don Cheadle runs the 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 back of house games. Did Maybe. you see? Did you see my letterbox review? I did not see your letterbox review. Um, my letterbox review was one and a half stars, Aww. and the the text of the review was Don Cheadle, which maybe is giving something away for the end of this episode, but. He and uh, these strangely, I don't even know if it was homophobic at the, at the extent that Jeremy Piven went into his role, but those two people, those two scenes, I loved. I loved every moment of Don Cheadle's performance and Jeremy Piven playing the uh, the uh, the suit salesman and then uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan making it very clear that they're not gay. Uh, was well, hold on. No, no, no. Chris Tucker has more of the uh, gay panic outburst, and Jackie Chan, I think, is a little bit more. Yeah, that's. True. I think he's more reserved. I, I don't want to throw them both under the bus because true to true to form, Chris swings for the fences, and uh, Jackie just wants to get on base. You know. Yeah. Um. And I so I uh I really like those scenes. Those scenes were great. I I sort of like the scenes where Chris Tucker is talking about like equating um 
you know, the uh, Martin Luther King speech and black oppression in this country to gambling chips. I thought that was a, a nice little moment. Well, I felt that watching this in the weekend of the first national Juneteenth to see that powerful scene where Chris Tucker distracts white people by screaming at them at being racist slave owners was powerful. Yeah. Um, so I... I want to. I'm jumping around. I. I. But like whoa, a, whoa, whoa! Slow the pump. The freaking brakes, my guy. Toot, toot, I want to jump in. I want to sprinkle in a, a little, uh, a little sample of the trivia that people have come to know and expect from the J Dog when they hit play on their little podcasting thing. They're probably at work or in their car or at home or maybe it's Father's Day and they're trying to drown out the sound of their children. Um. Don Cheadle was like, I'll do this movie, but I have two conditions. Charles, do you want to guess Don's two conditions for Rush Hour 2? Okay, well, I saw the movie, so I do know what he does in the movie. Yes. So either they they lied to him and didn't, he agreed, and then they got him on tape and then were like, you know, we're going to do these conditions later. Hold on, Don. I will give you a hint. His two conditions were met. Okay. By the final product of Rush Hour 2. But Don said, look. I'm Don Cheadle, okay? I'm Don fucking Cheadle. I don't just, I'm not just going to do Rush Hour 2. I'm not just going to be a part of a movie that made so much money that there's no way he didn't make an an obscene amount of money for one scene. I have two conditions. What do you think they were, Charles, without cheating? So I'm going to guess that after, boy, this was probably before Hotel Rwanda. Hmm. I was thinking that, because he plays a hotel clerk in Hotel Rwanda, he probably would want to uh, wear a, a little busboy outfit and take orders. Okay, that at movie Staples. comes out three years later and has nothing to do with this. So I'll go, we'll go ahead and call that your first guess. Okay, so no. it's wrong. Okay, um, uh, he he. Now, uh, out of context, he's been in traffic. Okay, he, he was in Crash, he's, right? Our, our one of our favorite. Oscar winners of all time. Uh, once again, Crash comes out three years later. That's part of the class of 2004. But yes, I'm... Uh, Wait, he Cheadle did had a big Hotel Ro- Wow. Big four. He was also in uh, After the Sunset that year and Ocean's 12. He had a crazy 2004. That is nuts. Okay, I love no. those. Those are some of my favorite things. Like, I've mentioned Jude Law before. Jude Law's like 2006 or something is amazing. Yeah. And fucking Cheadle with a four that has four of like the biggest movies of that year. That's incredible. Right. But Okay, so, so okay, he's done... Boogie Nights, 97. He's on Bullworth in 98. Out of Sight, 98. Uh, he's played Sammy Davis Jr. in a directed TV movie about the Rat Pack. He's living the dream. Okay. He's okay. been on The Simpsons, for Pete's sake, in I 2000. I would say he would he like was in Mission to, to Mars. sing a song and slap Chris Tucker. Those are his two conditions. Those are your, you, That's your guess for Don's two conditions. Yeah, I need to physically slap. You can tell Chris it's going to be a fake slap, but I want to slap him across the face. And I want to sing a song, an entire song from start to finish uh, on a table while everyone looks at me. And, and Oh, wait, that actually does happen in this movie. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and, and uh, a different black man does it. So, Charles. Racist. You're in racist I'm jail. In, I well, I thought this would be fun. Jail. And yet it's been a, a Gosh, horrifying descent into your internalized racism. Every time you ask me a question. I should never ask you questions. I think no, I'm realizing no, no, that may be remember a when structural you asked me, issue. Uh, was it last episode where you're like, who originally was going to play Chris Tucker? And I was like so afraid to end up in racist jail that I just was like, I don't remember anyone from 1998. Yeah, you were like, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Can you imagine Michael Caine? Are you, are you understanding the words coming out of my mouth? 
Sorry, I'm doing a Ray Winston. We watched. No, that's uh, okay. It would have originally been Ray Winston and Michael Caine, and then Michael Caine goes, "No one can understand the words coming out of your mouth." God, it'd Governor. be great if yeah, they got rid of all of the American racial politics and just had two old British guys do it. I watched The Departed yesterday for like the like literally the fifth time really? this year. I was over at a friend, some friend's house, and we watched like <laughs> some Tim Robinson stuff. We watched the IT Crowd episode where they go to Gay the Musical, probably nice. in my top five best sitcom episodes of all time. And then we were like, we could watch The Departed. We were all like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we had a grand old time watching the so, it. I didn't. Get, it was the best. I love that in the same way that you're like you have access to my maze, where every word reminds me of genitals. Uh, every situation, it's the same. I'm access to your maze, where somehow the serpentine funnel always gets us to the departed. Well, it is a best picture, best picture winner. Okay, Don Cheadle had two. Okay, what are things they? he wanted from his single scene in Rush Hour Two? He would he wanted to fight Jackie Chan and speak Chinese. And baby, he did both. And may I say, actors out there, look, Donnie Don Cheeds, who now we is is a beloved fixture in in Holly Weird, <laughs> as we call it. <laughs> yeah, on the we podcast, do. Because you know all the sex criminals and stuff. Mm, very um, weird. He he was pretty early in his career to make a. Uh, to make big calls like this swing big if you're going to be in a movie no matter what movie it is demand that you fight jackie chan and speak chinese that's my advice to you it's awesome i love it that. doesn't matter what movie it is and also you I, like, i've got two conditions i have a question for you i don't know what i if i'm doing this right I've, I've avoided saying that chinese is a language but i honestly don't know i know that mandarin and cantonese are the words for what different maybe they're dialects of a chinese language do you know this is chinese an actual like an okay term to use for the, for what for what people speak in china i think the phrase speaking chinese is is culturally acceptable That's given okay. that it, it is like a large overarching culture with a lot of detail and nuance that you know so it'd be like uh, saying obviously english it is. and then you know there's you know oh and it's like where am I? Y- y'all speaking English down here in the south? That's it. Oh, you speak English here in Buckingham Palace with the Queen. <laughs> Wait, can I do one? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm speaking English in Seattle. Hey, I'm in New York freaking city here. All right, I'm going to do another one. Sure. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm speaking English in Portland, Oregon. Hello, 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 in jolly old London, but not in Buckingham Palace. Oh, I'm in uh, the a other part ship, of a the city. Ship in, uh, in I'm the... in a pirate ship in Croydon. Uh, okay. old Croydon. Well, I, uh, I'm gonna just give it. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say it now. Don Cheadle wins MVP. Okay, he great. fucking rules. He's hilarious. Uh, his scene is great because he actually spoke Chinese and acted with uh, Jackie Chan rather than just making fun of him the whole time. Um like Chris Tucker does, which isn't funny. And Don Cheadle brightened. That was like at the halfway point and just like gave me a, a breath of air in which to coast. Well, through let me say this. this in Rush Hour 2, like I said, because no one's trying to reinvent the wheel here, I think people can really come in and sort of sniper style, get their shot in and, and get out. Yeah. Like, for example, you know, Tom Wilkinson, as as uh, famously as, in this movie, as Chris Tucker points out, at the end of every scheme is a rich white guy trying to get his cut. Um, so, you know, Wilkinson is out because he, of course, dies in Rush Hour, falling to his death, which is a trend in Rush Hour villains. Um, mm-hmm. He's subbed in for another rich white guy, the wonderful Alan King, who, as a young Jewish man, I grew up knowing as a guy who appeared in uh, Rehov Shumshum, 
uh, Jewish Sesame Street. Um, so I knew Alan King is like this. a borscht belt. Yeah, it's for Jews. It's not for people like you. Okay. But I love Alan King, and I I was delighted. I forgot that he was in Rush Hour too. I wish he'd gotten a little bit more uh, a little bit more space to to give his signature sort of growl. But uh, you know, he's like a classic ranter kind of guy. You know, he's he, like you know a Catskills a borscht belt guy. He was the owner of the uh, the 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 casino that teamed up to use the plates blah 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 exact mundo he was very now, good f- fun trivia the counterfeit money in this movie was so accurate that some of the money that was not destroyed by the production leaked out into las vegas and prompted a warning from the federal government after an investigation to the production company to never make that money again that's because awesome. it was so good that is so, crazy it looked right. good i thought they were actually burning 20 dollar bills well f- so the, the 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 budget on this triples it goes from like rush hour one is like <laughs> around 30 million dollars this is a 90 million dollar movie because they burnt 40 million dollars <laughs> yes 40 million that was burnt on set because you know brett ratner is famously uh, he's he, a what? What's that German? Those German fucks that like to, like only use natural lighting, only used real money to burn. Well, it's Danish. Okay, yeah, it's a Dogma La- ninety five. Lars, yeah, this yeah. is this is uh, canonically a Dogma ninety five film. Yeah. Um. So, and this this movie, of course, makes buco bucks. Makes like you know three and a half million, like three hundred fifty million dollars. Just a, a huge amount of money. It does very well. Now, I want to get into. One of the guys that we occasionally turn to for the worst takes in cinema. And today, Charles, he's your best friend. Roger? Yes. Roger Ebert, uh, who's up in heaven, talking about how he wished Cars 2 had more <laughs> different cars <laughs> or something. Being in that, like- he gave this movie one and a half stars. Oh, Rush Hour 2. Rush Hour is- earned untold millions of dollars inspiring this sequel. The first film was built on a comic relationship between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker as an odd couple cops from Hong Kong and Los Angeles. It was funny because hard work went into the screenplay and the stunts. It was not funny because Chris Tucker is not funny whenever he opens his mouth, something he proves abundantly in Rush Hour 2 where his endless rants are like an anchor around the ankles of comedy, of the humor, excuse me. Um... He says that he's a, a race-fixated motor mouth who makes it a point of being as loud, offensive, and ignorant as he possibly can be. Now, last episode, Charles, you were joining me in saying that it was likely that Chris Tucker was on the receiving end of a lot of ingrained systemic racism mm-hmm. as an outspoken black man in a movie where he is, you know, obviously uh, blatantly, boldly, and passionately walking the charming v obnoxious line. I found this quite... Fun. I, I really like okay, this movie. Josh, I mean, I know what I'm getting Josh, with Rush Hour Two. I gotta stop you because I literally every scene with Chris Tucker is either being racist or rapey, and I don't like. I I I still think he's a charismatic, funny guy, but when he's all of his dialogue is about how he wants pussy and how he can't understand a Chinese man, how he like pretends to speak Chinese and he just babbles and in, in syllables. Like it's not funny. It sucks. This movie sucked from start to finish uh every woman character is uh just basically used for chris tucker to want to fuck uh they look they spy on the only prominent woman character in this movie and she's just treated like a sex object where at the end jackie chan gets to smooch her like this movie she smooches jackie chan oh because brett ratner wrote it the other way around that's okay 
and the character and, they, is so and it brings powerful. up the Snoopy thing, which I think pays off when, when Jackie Chan goes, "Girls like me, I'm cute like Snoopy." It's it's true. Okay, yes. Is this movie a sexist nightmare? No question. But it's just it's like not fun, Josh. I did not have fun watching Chris Tucker. Literally, is the entire first third of this movie takes place in Hong Kong. Every goddamn scene is him wanting to fuck something. And I get it, man. He's horny. I get that he's horny, but Chris Tucker's horny in this movie. Don't be sex negative. You're kink shaming him. But I'm not kink shaming him because all he does is he touches women without consent. He, he just like constantly is treating everyone like he literally there's a scene where in there in the massage parlor and Chris Tucker, the actor, touches a boob. Like he literally as a person went out and like touched a woman on the on the tit and is like Remember that scene where he's like getting kicked around? You like just is like he just groped someone. That's what was happening on Brett Ratner's sets in two thousand. Well, and we of course are an anti-groping podcast, but I do think it's cute that once he hires all those masseuses, um, uh, he just sort of just boasts about stuff. He's he's weirdly chased with them when they're actually giving him a manicure and pedicure. Yeah, because he's also a sex coward. He likes in the same way that Brett Ratner. Remember uh, in the last episode we talked about how he was like he's sex. He's like a, a. creepy fuck guy but then when actually confronted with any sort of sexuality he just like cowers in a corner yeah that is like a true sign that someone only can show power when they have it but then when they're actually confronted with fucking like that's why harvey's whole deal was like to be naked getting a massage like how fucking like jesus these people are so fucked up this blend of power and impetus i feel like you're focusing on all of the powerful wealthy successful men perpetuating horrible crimes against people and not on the fun of rush hour two where uh you know chris tucker is just trying to get a little mooshu and maybe just laugh a little bit it's summer um so here's another paragraph from ebert um there was a belief and, and again everyone 2001 was a long time ago. We speak now on what is, I think, technically the first day of summer of 2021. It's been a solid two decades. Here is a taste of where we were at 20 years ago. There's a belief among some black comics that audiences find it funny when they launch extended insults against white people. See also Chris Rock's embarrassing outburst in the forthcoming Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, Robert, that's one of the funniest parts of a movie that has lots of funny parts. Okay. My feeling is that audiences of any race find such scenes awkward and unwelcome. I've never heard laughter during them, but have sensed (laughs) uncomfortable alertness in the theater. Accusing complete strangers of being racist is aggressive, hostile, and not funny. Something Tucker demonstrates to a painful degree in this movie, where the filmmakers apparently lacked the nerve to request him to dial down. This is awesome. This is the best, where you have like a movie that is 99% Chris Tucker wanting to rape people, and your, your big complaint is that he tries to tackle power structures and one only the only scene that was like remotely funny and still riddled with weird racism against Chinese people. Yeah. Also, uh, my problem with Ebert is that he, you're right. One, he literally says nothing about the treatment of women in this review. Focuses three paragraphs on <laughs> it is three Chris paragraphs. Tucker making white people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Even going as far as to say that the dealer wins their exchange. Which is crazy. Which isn't like, how fragile is like whiteness that this guy is like, um, the dealer actually won. If you go back and rewatch it. If you rewatch this movie in slow motion, you'll see that, wait, who's that actor? He's awesome, actually. Uh, Saul Rubinek. Yeah, he's The dealer answers every verbal assault calmly and firmly. If you read this in Ben Shapiro voice, it would be the exact same thing. What's (laughs) extraordinary about the scene is how it identified the dealer and how manifest the secretary is acting like the seven-letter word for jerk. 
Um, um, yes, doesn't I gotta say anything. No, no, hold on, hold on. Uh, sex appeal is supplied by, and then he mentions the two main women actors in the movie. Jesus. Good stuff, because Rosalind Sanchez and Zhang Ziyi from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, um, wait, can I interrupt briefly? Sure. I want to call out one of our listeners. Okay. Oh God! Why? Why? They? Why? Felipe, you come over to my house. Oh boy. Okay. And you talk about how much you love it's it's Father's Day, okay? This comes we're recording on Father's Day. This comes out tomorrow when it's no longer Father's Day. But Felipe, you talk about Roger Ebert as though he were your father, okay? And I get it. You love the man. But please read the Rush Hour Two review from two thousand one where he talks about the main women characters as sex appeal is supplied by and then spends three paragraphs on why it's uncomfortable to hear a black man talk about how shitty white people are. Okay, that's it. Sorry, Felipe, go back to whatever you were doing. Felipe, I have nothing. I, look, you're wrong about Ebert apparently, but I am not. I'm sorry that Charles had to blat, put you on blast. I don't feel great about it either. You know, okay? what, Josh, friends like it when friends put friends on blast. Okay, so Ebert didn't like the, all the triads and ugly women on one side and all the fine women on the other, which is one of the best lines in the movie. That's funny. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think He's it, horny. I don't think it's good how he behaves. I get it. I know. It's that's good. the thing. Is it's, I'm not like we should all like you know watch this movie and be like, yeah, Brett Ratner and Chris Ducker are pretty much awesome sauce. They're not awesome sauce. No. I want to make that abundantly clear how not awesome sauce that behavior is. And we we all know it's not awesome sauce. And I I, I just also don't find it funny when that is basically the only joke. Because, like, you know, if there's, like, one joke where it's, like, all the triad members and the women, like, on this side and women I want to fuck on the other, it's like, okay, Chris, we know you want to get fucked. That's fine. But when there's literally a scene where Chris Tucker is looking at 40 women and just, like, panting and going, oh, man, well, I guess I'll choose, I'll take you and I'll take you and I'll take you and I'll take you. It's like watching a four-minute sequence where he just, like, treats woman as nothing more than the thing he wants to fuck became very stale and just shitty, man. It wasn't funny at all. Chris Tucker is wasted in this movie because he is a fucking charismatic, hilarious man. And every single joke is just, it just falls so flat. I like when he buys the chicken because he doesn't want the woman to kill the chicken. And then he you like that. You like that. Uh, the basically the only time we see in Hong Kong other than a massage parlor and a uh, like a, a just like a race. Like, I don't know, like a hotel is a market where you can buy a live chicken or watch it be destroyed they in front of you. They have that there. I know, but like this is every fucking cultural representation of China is just like this market, that massage parlor. Like this movie is so bad. I fucking hated watching this movie. I gave it four stars because it was like Rush Hour, <laughs> but like not as fresh. So I gave it four stars because like, I gave Rush Hour four and a half stars. Amazing. I think I gave Rush yeah. Hour three or something. Yeah. Also, I, th- I do want to say that uh, Letterbox is our preferred social media, so if you want to follow us there, we recommend it. Yeah, you can kind of get spoilers. It's kind of fun. Your limbs been right? Yes, I am. And I'm nefarious bum schmuck without fouls. So please find us there. We give. I like how you just like revealed my thing without asking me, and then was I'll like, it and mine is, uh, and mine is uh, nefarious bum schmuck without vowels. As though people are like, oh, of course, I'll just key that into my monitor, and it'll all be. Uh, Josh, I just, think when I'll Shan says you, all he you... wanted was some mushu while listening to P Diddy in his car, that was great. That's funny. Yeah. That's then like the thing is Jackie Chan is funny in this movie because he is just like desperately trying to be nice after Chris Tucker wanders around being a dick. 
And it's just it's it's a classic man. fish out of water situation. I loved that this movie opens with them singing in the car together. That made me happy. I love Chris Tucker's inability to watch a bad version of a Michael Jackson karaoke number. You love karaoke. He slays up there. Yeah, but you know what he also does? He makes fun of someone doing karaoke before him, which is a fucking karaoke no-no, Josh. It's a wow. space where you're allowed to do it's whatever you want. It's the karaoke no-no corner karaoke no, here no. on When Will It End? The karaoke Charles, no-no. Just because some fans probably came to this episode being like, well, of course, they're going to bring up karaoke, the famous karaoke scene in Rush Hour 2. Charles, you're a fan of the Yoki. What's, uh, what are some other cla- – you know, I have as famously never done karaoke. You did it um, on your bachelor party. Well, I would argue a private Zoom call with friends. Okay. And I lost that challenge because uh, you may recall. I do. I, I was the one. Yeah, I, I, I believe yeah. you decided I that decided I lost. I decided it. Well, no, but everyone. It was my bachelor party and you decided that I lost. Everyone everyone was involved at that point, but I. Well, I, you could have you could have cheated. We went to the breakout room. Okay. I will give you that little behind the curtain. We went to the breakout room and everyone was like. Wow, it's Josh's birthday or whatever. We should give it to him. Bachelor like, party. Fuck Josh. He's always getting older. Let's give it to whoever else was It singing. wasn't my birthday. Why do you think it was, it was November? I'm not born then. You could have been. I know. I could have been a lot of things. You could have been a and Sagittarius st- or whatever. Oh, God. Don't get me started. My dad's a Sag. Um, so, yes, I've never done karaoke proper. Charles, give us a taste. Of, if you're going out to a little karaoke with Charles, what you know? What, oh, how are you going to prepare people for this so, most sacred of group activities? I was known as the sad bastard. I performed either sitting down or lying down, whether it's on a bench, a floor, a chair, a table. How have you made it this far in life? I don't know. Okay. Uh... I started, I was very nervous about doing karaoke because I think what most people think about doing karaoke is trying to do, like, recreate. Not It's not like a cover situation where you're a little more freedom. You're sort of supposed to go in there and sound like the original artist and just do the original song. And I'm, I, 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 I'm, 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 as you can tell by this podcast, I'm a creative man. I want to get my own spin on it. So... After lots of trying, I was like, Elliot Smith is a person that I feel like I could do in that person's style. So I started off with an Elliot Smith song, and it went pretty well. And after that, I just uh, mumbled through everything and uh, give it very little effort, and it's really good. I, I've, I've done Creep many times, the Radiohead fixture. Last time I did it, I uh, had a friend carry up a silver mannequin to the stage and i meanwhile writhed on the floor and about 20 feet away because it was a wireless mic wow yeah and uh it's uh i did um at that same one i did uh rocket man where i just questioned what it meant to be a rocket man throughout the entire song sort of a classic shatner-esque uh deconstruction of the elton john classic is it well famously uh shatner does the Spoken word version of Rocket Man. Oh, I didn't know this. I'll have to listen. And to I it. think it's going to be a long, long time. That kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, mine was still singing it, but it was very unpleasant, and I just kept asking, "What is a Rocket Man? What is a Rocket Man?" Now let me Man? ask you this. You know, I, like I said, I'm not Mr. Karaoke. No one would call me that. If you were to call me Mr. Karaoke, it would be uh, you would not respond strange. to it. Yeah, you. I would... wouldn't respond to it. I would be confused. It is not really my je ne fais quoi. Um, do people like it when you do that? Um. It's hard to say. Yes, I think people enjoy it. If everyone did it the way I did it, I think it would be uh, no one would do karaoke anymore. 
Um, but yeah, like I did a Ben Fold song, the one about divorce, and I basically just like wept on a couch while doing it. I, I just, I just have fun, man. It's just all about having fun. Well, you say that, and yet you're specifically talking about like acting out emotional and existential misery in front of strangers. So, well, that's how I have, that's that's how I have fun. All right, in the I same guess way, in that a way, Chris Tucker has fun screaming about wanting to rape someone. I have fun by mumbling through a microphone. Hold on, he's not a, he's not saying I'm out to rape someone. He's not he's not like I specifically want to rape someone. I agree that it seems okay. like okay. the character. Uh, uh, James Carter has some serious issues with consent and boundaries, and I'm not endorsing his behavior. But he's not like a like a a Dahmer type. Like I I would like to kill you and have sex with your corpse or something. You know, it's not like that egregious. It's bad. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I were to, if if you were to compare his character to Dahmer, I would be like, oh yeah, tell me more. I could see that. I would watch a movie where Chris Tucker played Dahmer. That would be fucking incredible. That would be very good. Can we, let's, uh, I think we should start at the beginning. I think this movie is very... You, no, no, it's, we don't have to. It's fine. You texted um, me and I you... I want to start with you, the end of the movie. Okay, fine. You texted me and you you mentioned 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. I think this movie does run very clearly in three distinct moments where, or th- parts. The, the, the movie is beautifully segmented. This is... So far, these first two movies have been the absolute definition of a tight 90. Things move in such a, like, impressively smooth manner that it is, I think, it deserves significant praise to the construction of a blockbuster that at 30 minutes, there's a yacht party. At an hour, they're sneaking into the casino. And at 90 minutes, we're out, baby. (laughs) You know, it really has these very distinct beats. And the joints of the movie, I think, are... uh, it's a very well – I mean, you may hate the content, which is fine. There's a lot to dislike about it, and it's aged poorly in a lot of obvious ways. Uh, but as a basic construction, especially living in the MCU universe where or the DC universe where, again, somehow Wonder Woman 2 is like longer than The Departed, you know, which is – I can't even – I literally can't fathom. We have to watch it. We have to just sit down and watch it for some it reason. Is such, it is such a profound spiritual boner killer to contemplate watching – over two and a half hours of a DC movie. And that is all I not know about a- <laughs> it is that oh, Wonder Woman wishes for something. Like, how, how do you stretch that out into four, like, two and a half hours? It's crazy. Well, again, you, you watch a movie like this, and it's just like, you know, it just knows exactly what it is. I would agree you know? with you. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Yeah, the best parts of this movie is that it's over quickly. I think I've, I'm putting a positive spin on that, but yes. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I just want to draw attention to the end of the movie, which, of course, keys up the, the third film, which would not come for, at this point, six years. But <laughs> That's wild. We should talk about that after this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I do want to talk about the 2001 New York Knicks because um, well, cause let's say they shot this in 2000, realistically. The Knicks had a really brutal 90s, okay? I'm confused as to why... Jackie Chan, who's a middle-aged man, is clinging on to an adoration of the Knicks because the real Knicks golden era was, at that point, long behind them. They'd just gotten through a bruising 1990s where success constantly eluded them in absolutely soul-crushing manner, losing to the Bulls and the Rockets and the Pacers, like just a really brutal stretch of games. Um, So I get that the 2000 Knicks, you know, are getting... 
you know, this, this is the first season without Patrick Ewing, which is talk about end of an era, and they finish above 500, but like the next year, you know, they, they lose in the first round of the playoffs, and in 2001, they drop well below uh, 500, and, and it's this whole confusing era where Van Gundy resigns. I don't really know what Jackie Chan or, or Agent Lee in this case is going to get out of seeing the Knicks in the early aughts. They're really entering a dark period that has only really just begun to lift. Well, I, I mean, this movie talks a lot about fatherhood. It is fitting that we record this on Father's Day. Um, I remember my father, uh, happy Father's Day, shout out, Dad. Uh, he liked the Green Bay Packers for the sole reason that my grandfather liked the Green Bay Packers, okay? Do you think Agent Lee's grandfather liked the New York Knicks? Because well, I find that hard to imagine. That's that's what I think. That's how I that was like how I, I agree with you. It's completely unbelievable that Jackie Chan's character's uh, Lee would want to go see the Knicks at Madison Madison Square Garden. In he 2000. like lives in Hong Kong. His entire life is in Hong Kong. Maybe he has a passing interest in in the NBA. I think in two thousand one or or I guess you know I'm not really sure what in his life would have Josh. Yeah, I find this hard. Okay, talking to you this way. Um. We're given a 90-minute movie, and in the last 30 seconds, we are gifted a token, a breadcrumb. In the same way that this podcast allows you entry to my mind maze, and I likewise get access to yours, this movie gifted us a small seed, the tiny dandelion floating seed that just came before us and was gone. And you know what? You're, You're questioning it, and what you should be doing is following the seed, embracing the seed, swallowing the seed. I just think if if he's going to travel across America, because at this point, I think we're basically led to believe he's essentially been to L.A. and Vegas, right? So he's like, I'm going to, you know, continue my little tour out to the East Coast, Beast Coast, number one, greatest coast of the two. Um, I just Wait, hold the early on, hold on. Mix, the, just seems like golf? a huge waste. Pardon me? What about the golf? That's a coast. That doesn't count. It doesn't count. Okay, that's my number one. Your number one coast. Coast is the is the Gulf of Mexico. You, yeah, absolutely. What about what? Ab- okay, like no, don't why? even what about this is the same shit, man. I'm giving you a seed. Okay, I'm, ask, I'm pursuing the fucking seed and asking you why. I'm yeah, following the ploof through the I air. Feel I feel like it's like you're trying to burn the seed while it's floating rather than see where it lands. Do you know or how what hard it, it would be to I burn do. a floating dandelion seed? So, I'm imagining holding a bick just trying to catch it. And it seems really hard. So rather than try to do that, which is what you're trying to do, just watch it flow and grow, man. Watch it. Watch the, watch the seed magic. Watch the the earth womb. Yeah, the earth womb. This this is basically the new slogan for the podcast: flow and grow. 2021, man. We've, we've flow and grow. We have survived a pandemic. Okay, I, no one thought there was people betting that I wasn't going to make it, but we both made it through the pandemic. I had money on you dying. Yeah. I so have, I do feel, you know, gratified. I don't feel great about losing the money, but I feel good that you're not dead. Did, is, how, can I ask how much? $750,000. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to stop at seven hundred fifty. That is a lot of money. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't just put I out I really hit. thought you would die. You could probably spend $20,000 to just have me killed. Yeah, but I can't figure out how the deep web works. I really can't. I don't get it. You download I don't that thing, you go to, but like then I'm like, well, then what? Tor? Right, but then you can't, like, then, there isn't like a Google, really. You have to like know where you're going, and then it's like... I just, here's what I do. I open up Tor, yeah. get, the v, get the VPN spinning. Sure. And then I still go to Google and Google cocaine. So the Knicks missed the playoffs for the first time in 16 season in 2001 and 2002, okay? So I'm saying 
why would you hang your hat on seeing the Knicks, Agent Lee? There's so much you could do in New York. That's true. Well, you know what? They, I think the coding of this movie is when he says he wants to see the Knicks play in Madison Square Gardens. I mean, he did drop the hint that um, Isabella, what was her name? The the spy. Oh, yeah, because she's going, yes, Isabella. She, so I think what he uh, meant to say, rather than say, I want to see the Knicks play in Madison Square Garden, he meant to say, I want to see my dick play in Isabella's pussy hole. Wow. And you feel very emboldened today. Feeling strong. Yeah, coming on strong. I love it. Um, I'll tell you, <laughs> just to give you a sense of my day, yeah. I decided it was too hot today. And okay, then I, that's a great decision. Right, exactly. So I woke up at like noon, uh, cashed in my free Domino's pizza that I've been saving, and watched Rush Hour 2 with a fan on me with my cat while my entire family is doing activities together. That's awesome. I was like, oh, I got business. I'm so, I'm so busy today. I got to interview the governor. I got to talk to Charlie Baker about his favorite movie, Rush Hour 2. It's it's a hot one, man. I am. Uh, I was out this morning. Um, I also got to sleep in late because here's some news for all the listeners out there. Bum bum bum. Amy's finished her OT field work, and no longer do we have a six thirty alarm. That is over with. That will never happen again. Uh, my dog Wink. Amy has chosen. I forgot the name of the uh, the iPhone alarm, but it is a soothing song. It goes like dum 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 dum, and it's like a nice way to wake up. It is now Wink's favorite f- song. We can play it for her, and she that thinks that that means we're going for a walk. Wow! So we've been getting I've been getting up at six thirty for three months on weekdays, and uh, let me tell you, sleeping until eight o'clock two days in a row. Holy shit! He's he's full of moxie, folks. Again, I think just that's why I'm today. feeling this way. He's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. And he's glowing today and saying pussy a lot. I am. I've watched a movie about race relations, about pussy, and it gusts. I'm I'm feeling it. Chris Tucker, your character Carter, is a bad man. Okay, but I. Uh, I made it through. Actually, I watched this movie three days ago, so I was still exhausted. And uh, maybe that's the it, t- I mean, it tired you out that much watching this. Well, no, I was already. Ex- I had gotten up at you know six thirty, taking a so. I mean, I was I was eleven walk. when this came out, and I just like watched this, and I watched the first two movies so much that they were basically blended in my mind. So the famous scene where they run around Hong Kong naked, which fun trivia. That's not a set. They just shot them running around Hong Kong naked what because the they couldn't fuck? stop traffic. I hated that. Like, okay, so you have this pretty okay it's funny it's not funny you have this scene oh where they're like God. where they just like are in a death fight with the the baddest man in hong kong and his punishment is to make them run around naked yeah uh he, the audience's punishment is a funny scene of ding-dongs flopping around but you don't get the that's ding-dongs funny. it's pg-13 they're not saying pussy and they're not showing dick and that's i understand that sorry they say mushu and show trash cans but i know it's i'm smart josh I know Mushu what, equals pussy. I know Trash Mushu, can equals penis. Yes, exactly. And That's but, the new, forget forget grow and flow. It's Mushu equals pussy. Trash can equals penis. He needs both. Um, okay, so Rush Hour two critically. I mean, okay, so the first Rush Hour, and of course, famously, Rotten Tomatoes created specifically for Rush Hour, gets like sixty one percent. Rush Hour two fifty two percent. So this it, is it crazy. fails to accomplish a fresh designation. Um, but it, it's not like this critical bomb that I guess. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty much the collective thing is like, yeah, pretty good. 
so here's the here's the reason why, so I've, I've i've railed on this movie a lot about how it treats women and, and it's like racist jokes which aren't very funny i think the main reason if you just like if you ignore what 2000 was like and that these just jokes were a part of culture then the other reason why this movie is bad is that it rather than having the natural sort of tension that came about from a brash loose cannon cop that doesn't have time for a partner learning to like lee this movie translates that to okay that sort of works so let's just have carter be pissed off at lee the entire movie because lee is getting in the way of him having pussy that's completely that's completely fair i am and i don't mean to like get too real here charles um and this is hard to admit in public because you know we still live in a world governed by prejudice we still live in a world where You're gonna get canceled? Uh, xenophobia and, you know, things that people don't understand frighten them. And I think I feel comfortable saying, you know, I'm a horny man. You're the, you're a Carter. I'm I'm one of them. I'm a horny man. And if, you know, my best friend who I met, I believe chronologically like two days ago or something, takes me <laughs> to Hong Kong. so true. Yeah. <laughs> I do expect him to not get in the way of me screaming at women so you know and uh, you know that's that's what women like they love it when you just scream and scream and and uh and, and do then, big hand gestures yeah and, and say how you they're beautiful they are and how you want and to also this is important lie lie as much as oh. possible regardless of the uh tenuousness of the uh of the lie just lie and lie and keep on lying that's important. But I, I sort of wanted to get away from that. That critique is obviously fine. But like the fact that the movie is, there's so much of this movie is like, you know what, Lee, fuck you. I'm out of here. And it's just like, I thought this movie was about watching Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan have fun together, not watching them have this fake bullshit tension that makes no sense and is actually a boring story. Okay, well, the story is definitely the weakest part of this because, I mean, some one of the reviews that I read actually kind of nails it where they're like, this movie feels like an outtake and I don't mean that in a bad way. And I'm like, yes, this feels like a rush hour movie. The outtakes like, it, it at the end were like, better than this movie, though. Well, they're definitely funny because it's great that they're both terrible at line reads. Yes, awful. Jackie Chan for understandable reasons. And let me say this. One of the best jokes in the movie is the completely unexplained Jackie Chan, uh, uh, no, Chris Tucker ordering yes. the kosher meal. I want to ask you about this. Yes. is this This is funny. This is good. That's very funny to me. Okay, I like that. I, I don't understand the joke. I don't really know what's happening, but no, the but idea that's, is... it's it's one of the rare non sequiturs in the movie. Yeah, just completely is left unaddressed, and the outtakes sort of have you know with Chris Tucker trying to take a filter fish and just having a really difficult time with that. Um, I think it is a wonderful touch that for whatever reason, uh, Agent Chance, uh, Agent Carter, excuse me, orders. Uh, the kosher meal on on flights that's funny yeah. that's like I, a good bit of character building. i agree that to me i don't know that i found it as funny because i'm a gentile right you're definitely a gentile yeah okay yeah um i i always forget the lingo but uh, i'm a gentile i don't really know i understood that the that was a jewish like do you so is the joke maybe he's jewish the jokes maybe that he well he does talk about how he likes the ribs at don Cheadle's place a lot so i don't think he's Jewish, or so at least it's just the, he doesn't just seem like an observant. He doesn't joke. follow kashrut. Certainly, okay. We know that he's not someone who is kosher off of planes. I don't know. I so don't really even plain, want to interrogate it too much. He's plain for Jewish. some reason. He likes ordering. I mean, some people say that you know, on on airplanes, you want to order like an alternate meal because there's a stronger chance of it being fresh. 
Mm. That's sort of like and you're I know, saying. You're saying the Jewish meal is the alternate meal. I would say most people don't order the gefilte fish on a flight. So yes, I think he's saying maybe I'm getting a maybe it's a, a classic traveler's. Uh, you know, do you, do you think most people don't order the gefilte fish because as Carter or I guess in this case it isn't Carter. It's it's uh, Chris Tucker. Yes, he just it's a hard word to gefilte say. Gefilte fish. It's a hard it's word great. to say for a non-Jew. I just love uh, I love that joke. It is great. I wish more movies had. It's a good kind of like in, in Logan Lucky, the disappearing guy in the bear suit, or it's like great. Just you know, I don't like magical realism, but I do like non sequiturs. So you know, what I, I do that's like is my stance. The what I think made it even funnier was um, the outtakes show Chris Tucker not being able to say the word gefilte fish, and then there's just patient kind woman who is every every time just saying gefilte fish yeah that was good the, the outtakes of this movie i recommend them i recommend you you skip to the scene with jeremy piven you skip to the scene with don Cheadle. can we talk jeremy piven um yes and then i want to talk about 2001 before we get too farther along Odyssey. in the day okay great um yes uh piven what do you think in what did you scene. think I mean, he's definitely playing gay in a way that you would be shot in the head in two, 2021 for. Yes. I think, I, and I I really am not trying to give undue praise to Jeremy Piven, who seems like a complete fucking tool in Is every he? other aspect of his life. Okay, I'm not um, sure. He seems like a real dickhead. But uh, um, I think he manages to be offensive and yet not, certainly by Hollywood standards, anywhere close to the deep end of a horrific homophobic portrait. I think it's weirdly restrained for the era, and and that's not an excuse. I'm just saying we we have in many other of these terrible movies that we watch, I've seen repellent depictions of, of gay characters, and this is weirdly somewhat wholesome. That's why uh, I like it. Yeah, because it, it's not judgy. It's not making fun of Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven is uh, he's he brings a lot to that character of the Versace salesman. But he's not the we, joke. We all remember the day we met Versace salesman. He's funny. His lines are funny. Like when he says, I want to put a dead animal on you. That isn't like a homophobic joke. That's just a funny line. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had fun during that scene and I was like, maybe I shouldn't. But I don't know. I it was Maybe it was also the wasteland of shitty jokes that this character who's bringing life and energy to a scene that, again, it's a non sequitur. You could have cut the scene from the movie. It wouldn't have mattered. But I had a great time. I thought it was really fun. And Well, no, it would have been confusing if they just showed up at the Red Dragon in an insanely sick drip. Because, look, the ends, the ends say something about the means because those guys look fucking cool. They okay? do. I know you're a vegan and you're like, oh, no, don't kill crocodiles just for Chris Tucker to look cool. But I say kill them all. Every last one of them. Every last um, okay. one of them. Okay. I, I, so let's I, take I, a look at. Yeah, go ahead. What, you have more on this? No, no. The, go ahead. Okay, 2001 in movies. Let's just take a deep, bold breath and take a look back at what kind of world this is coming out in. Okay, um, here's some big wigs. Ready for this, baby? Ever heard of a little movie called AI Artificial Intelligence? Yeah, you have. Stevie Spielks. Um, Michael Mann's Ali, starring Will Smith. Um, American Pie 2. Remember that movie we did on the podcast? We sure um, did. John Singleton's Baby Boy. Ron Howard's A Beautiful Mind. Behind Enemy Lines. Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Um, a lot came out this year. Yeah, uh, a, a Peter Bogdanovich film called "The Cat's Meow" with Kirsten Dunst and Eddie Izzard and Carrie Elways. I've never heard of that. Okay. <laughs> right, Crocodile just, Dundee in Los Angeles, which I you're saw just in theaters. Listing 2001 movies at this point. I'm just. I'm sorry. I I'm just. just, I'm just I, I'd love to be a part of this conversation. What, okay, Richard Kelly's Donnie Darko. Yeah. 
I remember that came out in the same way that uh, Explosions in the Skies uh, album, whatever it's called, uh, which had featured a plane crash on the cover. Donnie Darko got brought to task by the f- American freedom lovers for depicting a, pr- a plane crash in 2001. You couldn't get away with it, man. Well, Bin Laden, Bin Laden did punch up the script for Donnie Darko. When do you think, what was the first movie that came out after 9-11 that featured a plane crash? I, I don't know, but that's a great question. But you know what else came out in 2001? A little movie by Rob Cohen, who let's just say sounds like he's a member of the tribe. Which tribe? Called The Fast and the Furious. Ever heard of that movie? Oh, that brings back some good times. That's coming up soon, F9. Yeah, F9 is, as we speak, in theaters. Oh, it so is. We'll be getting, uh, Hannibal by Ridley Scott comes out in 2001. Fuck. I would argue that, that's a, that's a, the really the last those. hurrah for Ridley. We're Black Hawk those. Down and Hannibal in one year. That's, that's crazy. crazy. That, that's, that's fucking. Those are, those are good movies. And I, I would argue his deeply uneven career long before that kind of certainly in the last 20 years has not improved. Um, can, I, can, I forward, take a little, can I take a little Scott break just for one minute? Please. Scott it up. I rewatched and I'll probably have to look it up because what was the first alien new alien movie in the in the Oh, well, that would be Prometheus. Yeah, I rewatched Prometheus. That movie is half amazing and half that's, not but, good. But, but that's his whole thing. Where he's no, like because half Alien of the Covenant idea... is all bad. Where Alien No, no, Alien Covenant has like I would say two things that are fantastic right. and then a lot of dog shit. But where like Prometheus actually has like half of it's good. Like no, no, the, really the whole the whole premise of the Guy Pierce character and and the Michael Fassbender character, it's like, okay, you're on to something. This is interesting. Yeah. And then he proceeds to muddy the waters so aggressively with like the whole the whole thing with and we'll someday go back into the alien verse, but the beauty of Alien is that Yafit Kodo, Harry Dean Stanton, Sigourney mm. Weaver, these are weird looking losers who have shitty jobs, who are thrust into a situation who, and they're just like our jobs suck. I would like to go home. This fucking sucks. And to, fla- to fast forward to um, Charlize Theron and th- the, and Idris Elba fucking because they're bored and both incredibly hot and yeah, one of them's yeah, playing yeah. concertina. You're like, what is this? Why yeah. is this in this movie? I don't understand this. Well, and it honestly might be the best part of that. But like, I don't know. Anyway, Ridley Scott. The is ending a- of Prometheus is like I find the ending sequence laugh out loud funny yes. at this point. I but think this, it, it is which, so cartoonish. And the bad. scene where they get like the spores up the nose and like that whole sequence is fucking incredible. No, no, he, body horror. He excels at right. That's so always why, been something he's good Ridley, at. Ridley, I know you're listening. Why do you have a two plus two hour plus movie and only have twenty minutes of body horror? You fucking loser. Yeah, it doesn't pay off. Um, okay, just we 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 we're getting towards the end here. Looking forward, two thousand one, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh. So think about that. Freaking Fast and Fury and uh, HP and the SSS. Same year, baby. Um, Okay, I'm not going to do every movie, but I just want to point You're out not? that. You're not? You're not going to do every one. 2001 also gives us How High, directed by Jesse Dillon, who I believe we ta- we discussed because he directed oh, a, right, right, uh, right, right, right. American Wedding. Yeah. So I'm doing a good job, and everyone Wait, likes it. he did something it. else, too, right? Um, he did Kicking did he and Screaming, Crips and Blood. Did he do one of the, the scary movies? No, he did American Wedding. And a, and a Ricky J. Uh, television series. That's kind of cool. That's um, awesome. The same year, in 2001, I Am Sam comes out. And by the way... Uh, listeners, if you have not watched the <laughs> I Am Sam trailer recently, the trailer for that movie is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I cannot believe how far we've come as a society. The trailer for I Am Sam would get anyone completely fucking 
Michelle Kill. Pfeiffer says the R word in the trailer. Executed, yeah. For I Am Sam. It is mind-blowing. Yeah. 2001, we also get Joe Dirt, Josie and the Pussycats, Jurassic Park 3, likely a movie we'll Wait, discuss at some point. the one before that? Can you say that one again? Josie and the Mushu Cats. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the, a Laura Croft movie comes out, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring comes out in 2001. This was like such an insane franchise year. Yeah, I was 16 years old. I remember. Uh, oh my God. Moulin Rouge and Mulholland Drive comes out in 2001. My Big that. Fat Greek Wedding comes out. Not another teen movie. Ocean's Eleven. I'm just going to start playing the ending credit song. This is this crazy. Is cra- Pearl Josh Harbor. Is I saw Pearl Harbor. Pootie Tang. <laughs> the Princess Diaries. <laughs> the Royal Tenenbaums. Josh, Save move, the last dance. Movies come out every year. Scary movie movies. too. Yeah. Serendipity. Okay. Stop. The shipping news with Kevin okay. Spacey. Right. Please stop. Please stop. I have actually something spy I want to kids. say about Rush Hour Two before. Oh, spy hey, Super kids? Troopers came out that year. Wow. I got one more thing to say about why I didn't like this movie. Okay. Jackie Whenever Chan. you're ready, go ahead and hey, What Hot American Summer and Zoolander oh came my out that God, year. God, just. Jackie Chan is at the point where he... I, I knew this day would come after having seen the tuxedo, but uh, he's using wires. He's His stunt work is not as good. And this is like... This is why you watch a Jackie Chan movie is to see him kick around. Chris Tucker gets involved in the fights now, and it's like strangely the best parts of Chris Tucker's performance in this movie is when he's fighting, even though it is also racist. He somehow fights racist. Like... I like the the best part of Rush Hour was Jackie Chan kicking ass, and it's sort of sad to watch him like fly around on wires and like squeeze through holes as his as his big show stopping uh, performance. Where before it was like so much fun to watch him catch faces and and like actually do stunt work. This is like this is probably his last good movie of or no, the last one was probably his last. This is probably his first foray into doing shit stunt. It's, it's really sad to see it. I had so much fun during all the fight scenes in this. I, I sat up straight and had a good old time. I loved it, and it was fun. You know what's funny so, is that uh, 1998's Who Am I is uh, Jackie Chan's, like, you know, on, on IMDb, it says known for, and it lists some sort of, like, by popularity. Yes. Who Am I, Who Am I is his first build most popular Jackie Chan movie, which is, I feel like, a movie only I have seen. Like, as, have you seen Who Am I? Um, it's about Jackie no, what, Chan. No, what is Who Am I? It's it's like he loses his memory and he has to like figure out who he is while kicking ass. And it's got this awesome sequence where a guy runs up a building or something. But uh, yeah, it's not. It's crazy that that is like listed before Rush Hour and Rush Hour Two, which are his huge money makers. And then of course his his earlier pantheon of godlike abilities in the Police Story movies and Operation Condor. But who am I? Is 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 what he's known for on IMDb? Um. Well, that is something about IMDb. We have to. Uh to deal with you know that's really a, a big question that we have to have well, who is am I? it good to have imdb <laughs> that's a great question so uh, the tuxedo comes out next year i we're gonna have to do shanghai noon as a two-parter for the bonus because shanghai noon comes out between rush hour and rush hour two and i'm wondering if perhaps that is his final moment opposite an owen wilson kicking horses wow so i think we should maybe do that in august because we've already i would love to do shanghai Nian. i love that movie yeah we've committed july to jagai rich sean wang that's a terrible name <laughs> I, what's the, the piss shirt quote <laughs> I, I haven't seen them i don't know there, there's a thing where uh he pees on a shirt to make it bend bars <laughs> oh yeah it's the best movie no you said wet shirt don't break not piss shirt bend bar <laughs> that's you'll know what that awesome. means someday 
<laughs> okay, right, I got to go to a freaking yeah. future Collegiate League baseball game with my family. Please Have let me go. I, I Charles, I, I, go. I can just say, we don't say this enough, but I love you. I love you, too. I, I can't you, wait for you to so be a excited. father. Uh, uh, so that I can okay, celebrate so, okay, you. Okay, is I not cannot anyway. wait for you okay. to be a father so I can well, celebrate we are you. Fathers, we are fathers to this beautiful podcast and to our listeners. So I think of us as our children. So uh, thanks to everyone for uh, Venmoing us for yep. our big Father's Day. Yep. Charles, and make sure I have to brush your teeth. Go to bed have, early, okay? Yeah. No, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to our listeners. Okay. Your gotta, father. Okay. And always say uh, the Lord's Prayer. And Mushu. All right. Bye, everybody. 